Hello, and welcome to the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm your host, Shanna Fold. I'm here to give you the headlines so you can get caught up quickly. You're listening, so you're already on top of your game. Survive and thrive, people. Knowledge is the best weapon. Today is Thursday, December 24th, 2020, which means a couple of things. One, it's Christmas Eve, and I am in New York City for it. How awesome. Merry Christmas to all of our Christian listeners. And two, we are going to be joined at the end of the show by Ira Tolchin Immerglass. Originally from Russia, this woman speaks a handful of languages and reports in multiple tongues, Russian, English, and mainly in Hebrew. That interview was taken live on Facebook earlier today. So you can see it there, or you can hear just the audio at the end of today's show. Now, let's get to the news. An arrest has been made in the case of Esther Horgan, the mother of six who was found dead in a foresty area near her home Sunday. She had gone out for a run and never came back. When she was found, it appeared she had been killed with a rock to her head. Now authorities believe they have the guy. They've arrested a 36-year-old Palestinian man from the nearby village in Jenin in the West Bank. His name has not been released, but he apparently has a record and has served time in Israeli prison for security breaches previously. People say the 52-year-old woman from France was full of life. Her husband said in a statement that he and his family condemned the security forces and that he trusts that the courts will serve justice for this despicable murder. I can only imagine how difficult it must be to even be able to offer a statement right now after this terrible tragedy has happened. An update on international affairs. Just a couple of days after Morocco officially signed a peace and normalization deal with Israel, vowing to open up a new consulate soon, Prime Minister Netanyahu says the Jewish state should expect many, many more countries to come out with normalization agreements even sooner than people expect. U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Kelly Kraft visited Israel and received thanks and praise from Netanyahu regarding the Trump administration, in which he said the outgoing government had defended the truth and defended the state of Israel at the U.N. Israel is entering a third lockdown in an effort to drive down the morbidity rate of the coronavirus. But in an interview with Army Radio, the coronavirus czar Nachman Ash says the lockdown will probably have to be extended for an extra two weeks on top of the two weeks the country is already bracing for. The order for a lockdown beginning Sunday at 5 p.m. was confirmed in an overnight cabinet vote that happened last night. The good news is that with so many Israelis getting vaccinated every day, Ash says he believes this lockdown will be the last. And trust me, my news feed is full of people posting pictures of themselves getting the vaccine and getting inoculated. Let's hope that this works. Before our interview today, as you know, I really care about the arts, so I have this story for you. Today, Israel lost one of its top violinists who played his heart out around the world. Ivry Gitlis died at age 98 in his Paris home. He played classical violin and performed with the best orchestras around the globe. The intention was to get the attention of the bourgeois, or the non-elite. Gitlit was born in Haifa before Israel was officially a state. 
His parents immigrated from Ukraine, and the Times of Israel says he was comfortable playing in all types of genres, whether it be with the Rolling Stones, jazz with Stefan Grappelli, or African storytellers. Gitlis gave live concerts until quite recently. In 2010, he told a French newspaper that the day he stops playing the violin will be the day he dies. And it seems that he's honored that statement. Now for today's special report, we had Ira Tolchin Immerglass speak with us. She's a news reporter who came to Israel alone at the age of 15. Today she reports in Hebrew, both in print and on air. Of course, that was after 10 years of hard work and researching in the newsroom. Ida came with a Jewish agency program, which left her at a kibbutz, Yotavta, in the Negev Desert. She didn't know any Hebrew and just started learning from the beginning. By 23 years old, she completed the army and a degree in communication. She became a TV news researcher, then a reporter, then a documentary editor. She's a consumer affairs reporter for the Walla News site and Channel 13 Evening News. She's worked on long-form pieces for Uvda, which is Israel's top investigative show. Today, she writes for Zman Israel on social affairs, which is the Times of Israel's sister site in Hebrew. And she still does TV reporting on consumer affairs in the evening. Here's a cut from today's live interview that we hosted on my Facebook page. So let's so let's get started. So the Israel Daily News is doing a Thursday series with women around Israel who are successful and who have made changes and maybe they switched careers or maybe they switched languages. And when I got to meet you, I thought that you were the perfect uh, contestant for it. And I'm really excited. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about where you come from and uh, and and how you got started in the industry. First of all, thank you so much because you're like, you said a successful woman and it's, it's, you really, it's really a, a big deal for me, like as someone considers me as that one. Well, uh, if I have to tell about myself, so I was born in Russia, in Khabarov, which is seven hours of flight from Moscow. So if I want to get to Moscow from where I live now in Tel Aviv, I have to fly for four hours and then I have to fly to visit my parents or still live there for another seven hours on the flight. So it's very far away from here. And uh, I came here all by my own on the age of 15. It was a program Naale of Sofnut. And I arrived to Kibbutz, say Yutvata. So just for the people who don't know, I, just for the people who don't know what the Sofnut is, it's the Jewish agency in English, right? Of course, yes. In Hebrew, it's Jewish agency, but uh, uh, in Hebrew, it's Sochnut. In, in English, it's a Jewish agency. So I arrived to Kibbutz in the uh, very south of uh, Israel, next to Elat. It's called Yotvata. And I was uh, studying there for three years. Then I went to the army, Israeli army. It was all, you know, it was all regular. And then I've decided after the army that I will go and study communications and journalism in university. I didn't dream of working in this area because I didn't know Hebrew when I came here. So my Hebrew was like, you know, my second language, but nothing like my mother language or something like that. So I moved to Tel Aviv at some point at the age of 20 and I've started studying communications. And after that, you know, I was waitress and I just know a girl that knew a girl that was working on TV show and then no one wanted to hire me because I didn't have any experience and I didn't have any connections. You know, I don't have a parent here or someone I know that could, you know, How old were you give when you were trying to get in there? So I just knew someone because I was a waitress. 
the coffee how, house. How where old people were you at were, the time? How many years uh, old? I was 23. 23. Okay, so we're at 23, and then, you're, you're a waitress, you're trying to get your foot in the door, and everyone's telling you, you have no experience, no thank you. Yeah, no. So I was a, a bartender at that time at the Agadi restaurant, and I said, okay, you know what? I only know you at the TV industry. I don't know anyone else. You don't want to hire me because I don't have any experience, but how can I have any experience if you don't hire me? So, okay, you hire me without any payment, I do not suggest that for people, but I did that because I think it's, you know, it's exploitation of people. But back then I didn't know because I said, okay, I will, I will do my bartender and I will do my waitressing to make living and I will work for free. So I will get some experience. So the next job I will have will be um, like, you know, for real. So that's what I did. My first job was without any salary. I worked during the day uh, at the uh, restaurant, uh, during the night, and during the day I was working on TV show. And that's how I got experience. And my next job, after a year, it, it was already with salary and everything. But I just, I just, it was, you know, 2003. I didn't have any idea how can I make it. So I, I did it that way. That was my way to get in, into Did, the TV there, industry. With first of all, that's super admirable that you were working two jobs. I know a lot of people do that so that they can achieve their passions. So kolakavod, all the respect goes to you. Yeah. Was was there anything that you enjoyed about uh, waitressing? Was there anything like that was that maybe helped you or or aided you in in life? Sure, I think waitressing is best job for like 20s or even before uh, or even after because you meet a lot of people um, Israel is very strong for the community that we have for the people that we have here okay uh, young people are connecting very well everyone willing to help so the girl when I told her that I'm looking for a job on TV but I don't have any connection she, she said right I have someone that knows someone that knows someone if you only tell tell what your uh, passions are to the people that you know after we go through corona and we actually meet people but if you only tell that to the people you know here in israel you will always get supported because people here it doesn't matter if they're olim repatriants or uh, local citizens everyone wants to help you since you're new and since you are you know uh, trying to make your way i think israel is very special uh, in that one specifically amazing thank you for sharing that so I wanted to, so you said that you did not have any dreams of being a newscaster when you were growing up. Is that right? Well, actually, I wanted to be an actress. Classic, classic <laughs> news reporter thing to do. You wanted to be an actress. You wanted to be lights, camera, action. You wanted to maybe do some writing and some expression. I know that story well. So you wanted to become an actress. And um, why, why journalism? Did you think it was the more professional, uh, attainable goal? Actually, I finished my army and then I start. okay, what should I study in university? And then I, okay, I will be, uh, uh, I will uh, study uh, an acting. And then my uh, teacher in acting from the kibbutz, I told her that and she said, you know what? You're in Israel on your own without any parents. You need to take care of yourself. Do something else that may be somehow related to acting. I said, okay, journalism, fine. But today, I feel like- do that. And yeah, I don't know. But today I feel like it was the right decision for me because I really need to be heard. My opinions need to be heard. And as an actress, you have a lot of ways to express yourself, but not, you know, the way that journalist does. 
It makes total sense. And one thing that's beautiful about working in a newsroom is everyone is so creative. Everybody is a journalist, but maybe they write poetry on the side. Maybe they act on the side. Maybe they're an artist. There's lots of creativity in the newsroom. So what I wanted to know is you actually have a strong chess background. And you, <laughs> I, I became aware of you because of the piece that you wrote in English for the Times of Israel in which you highlighted the real Queen's Gambit. And I thought that that was so yeah. awesome. Everything about it. I loved your picture. I loved the chess. I loved you had a serious emotion on your face. Can you tell us um, why was writing about the real Queen's Gambit important for you? And before we get there, just for those who don't know about the Queen's Gambit, the Queen's Gambit is a very popular TV series that came out on Netflix and it highlighted the, the life. I'm sorry? Uh, the yeah, most popular. The most popular, and it highlights the life of a young woman who goes on to become a world chess champion, which is unusual. And you see, I mean, here in New York City, there are ads of Kira Knightley, famous actress from Pirates of the Caribbean, playing chess. So it really, really got a big highlight in the global uh, marketing scene. So you write this story, and you tell us what really happens there. Why is that important? It was an important thing to me because I write a lot about women and about women power and I want to empower women. And this series, what it did, it's really empowered the, uh, this girl that was playing chess and she was so powerful, but it's only a fairy tale because in the real world, in the real chess, I knew that no girl can become um, what she became. I don't want to make a spoiler because <laughs> I've already heard that I, I'm talking about this series and everyone is that you are making a spoiler. I can watch it right now, but it's really it's it's like I, I watched it and I said, okay, but you never play uh, with guys in professional uh, in professional competitions because there are categories for a woman, and then you are categorized as a woman. And woman, it's like in running, and it's like in uh, you know, it's any other sport, chess is categorized women and men are, are playing separately it, when they're um, getting, uh, you know, um, uh, categories and when they're get, getting their championships. So when I was young, I was playing chess and we, were, we had like um, uh, competitions as a group. So we had five boards and first board is the most uh, um, powerful uh, player in the group. And the, the last one, the fifth one is for the woman in the group. So it doesn't matter if she's a strong one, she always plays at the last uh, board. And I said like, it's, 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 it's a nice fairy tale and it makes a good um, a sense that people are talking about it, but I have to say what, what's, what's the real thing is. It's not like that today, it, like never was. So unfortunately there are five rounds of chess uh, seg sectors when you go to a competition and the fifth one is for the weakest one and the women are placed there in the weakest category when you are as a group as a yeah. Group. yeah 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 as a group there is no woman who is world champion of the world you know of chess not such a thing today so I think that um, we, we should all be very grateful for your piece so that we can bring some attention to that and hopefully so that women who are just equally as excellent at playing chess, if not better, should have, yeah, it's all in here. It's all in here. So they should have just equal as opportunities. Now, I want to move away from chess and ask you about 
one of your biggest, most successful stories, and just to I, just to give everyone an understanding, you often cover consumer um, consumer reports. So you talk about yeah. the trends and the finances, how much people are spending on what. I found that personally very interesting. Can you talk to us a little bit about what it's like to be a consumer reporter and what was a highlight story for you that stands out? Um, yes, for me, uh, I was trying to explore um, for a very long time why Israel is so expensive country to live in. I think that everyone who moves from abroad, everyone knows that, everyone who lives here knows that, but especially if you move from wherever, you pay attention of how difficult is that to make living here. It's like you are going to the supermarket and you're like, oh, my whole salary went there. Okay, where did it go? So I was just spending a lot of time on comparing prices from Israel to other countries and it was always was so expensive. So I just started, you know, to uh, talk to politicians and ask them these questions. Why is that? And, you know, there are usual uh, answers like, you know, we have the army, we're always at war, we have a lot of uh, um, taxes and stuff like that. But I think that finally, um, finally it all goes to some other, um, finally it's of course taxes and stuff like that but it all goes to us being a small country. Think about it, okay? When you're one person, you go to the supermarket, you buy only for yourself a small amount of things, but it's only for yourself. When you're a big family, you buy maybe more, but for each person, it becomes less, okay? It's less amount. So us being isolated, we are like an island here because we have, you know, all the uh, um, uh, other countries that are not, you know, we cannot travel. Uh, to other and countries trade. through Lebanon, yeah, by train. So we are isolated, small country with a little population, and uh, that's that's the reason for um, it's very very um, expensive to import things here. And you know, there are always the politicians that you can blame, and I would love to do that in another <laughs> interview, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's the question that I would um, was uh, spending a lot of time to um, really researching. Great, so last question for you is, um, what is your advice to people who are moving to Israel or living in Israel and they either need to learn a new language in order to be able to succeed in the, in the career that they want, or maybe they have to change their career entirely to match what the market is looking for. What's your advice? So as a, as, a, as a new repatriate myself, as a Olaf Adeshah, as I was, I think that um, we all should use this special thing that that's why we are coming to Israel. Israel is very strong by the strong community. People are warm, people are welcome. We feel a strong feeling of belonging here, right? We want to be here, be not because it's expensive, not because it's hot, not because it's, we feel a strong feeling of belonging because the feeling of community, because people are so nice and warm, okay? So I think that even if you are making your career or you have some, you know, other ambitions, you have to be more open about what you wish for uh, to reach people. Uh, tell them what you actually need from them, okay? I'm living here without my family and Always I had intentions to go to make Rosh Hashanah here and Pesach there. And uh, when, at the beginning when I needed to find a new job, so I was like, okay, how would I find this job? So I was calling people I know and asked them, okay, can you please tell me, do you know someone maybe looking for a new researcher on TV? And I felt so bad as Russian. 
I know that Europeans and Americans will feel that bad also, but you know, in Israel, it's like, okay, you can call me and ask for anything, like to watch my child or to walk my dog. It's, it's okay here, you know, we're all friends, we're all family. And people always was like, really, really glad to help me. And I really, really um, want to um, inspire people to, to approach to those who are their friends or maybe people that they work with and just tell them, okay, I need that. I would love to have that. I'm alone in Israel. I just came here. I need some help. And I think people will help them because we are a strong community here. And uh, people only feel good helping others. Of course, if you're a new repatriate or you're new in Israel, people are always um, glad to help. Awesome. Thank you so much for that advice. And I think that the important takeaway is don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to yeah. ask for help. Uh, don't be afraid to say what you're looking for, what your passion is, what you want, what you need, and shout it from the rooftops so that you can achieve it. So thank you so much yeah. for joining us. Small country, big opportunities. <laughs> Small so country, like, big opportunities. I love that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's who we are. That's great. Thank you, Ira, and uh, let's stay in touch. Thank you, Shana, so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure talking to you and to the audience here. Thank you. All right. Well, that's it for today's news. Today is Thursday, December 24th, 2020. Tel Aviv has a low of 10 degrees Celsius and a high of 19 degrees. That's 50 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 67 degrees for the high. Subscribe to the Israel Daily News Podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing it from. I am everywhere. I'll send you off today with a song from the Souf Family Band. They played it at a nature reserve called Baram, and they recorded the whole song there. Have a great and productive day and a restful weekend. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Merry Christmas to those who are celebrating.